now. So um, it's been good. I think it was the right move. I'm just going to move to a table because I got, um, we're renovating our house actually. So I lost my, um, my office space. Fun times. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like moving, except you don't get a new place. You just get to renovate everything you already got. And everything gets dirty. <laughs> like everything gets dirty. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you find things you forgot you even had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boxes everywhere. It's been awful. So much fighting. This chandelier took like, can't see it, but it took like so many days to put up everything there's always like hurdles you never expect like we think we can hang the chandelier chandelier is too heavy it's like yeah yeah it's it can hold like 100 pounds well our chandelier is like 300 pounds oh, so wow. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just everything takes so much longer than you expect that's got to be in the studs yeah yeah, yeah. you don't you yeah. don't just hang that from drywall <laughs> nope <laughs> so well uh go ahead and uh introduce yourself i'm gonna go ahead and so my name is Francis. I started the Facebook group, uh, Traveling Nursing Jobs 5,000 Week and Up. Uh, we're looking to help uh, healthcare workers, uh, specifically traveling healthcare workers, um, nurses, aides, CNA, anything like that. And one of the questions that we regularly get is, you know, how do I get into real estate? What options do I have in real estate? So um, in my journey, I actually met Maria, um, who's a real estate professional. And so Maria, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Maria. I've been in real estate for a couple of years now. Um, I started off in collateral management, moved into tech, and then I realized, um, you know, real estate is where I wanted to invest all my energy. So I have a property management company called uh, Victory Ventures, and I also help people find um, their dream homes. Okay, so uh, how did you get like, what got you started down the path to real estate? Like what? What led to that? Like, so you didn't go to college for specifically real estate? Like, um, so I was always around it. My mom has always been a realtor. Um, my mom, if you've ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm -hmm. my mom was the perfect example of the rich dad, how she didn't have a huge background um, in like education, wasn't very educated. She got married very young, but she made it work in real estate. Um, so that was always, you know, my like icon, what I looked up to. And um, I did go to school for business management and entrepreneurship. Um, and then I went and got my MBA and just, you know, looking around me, I really just started to feel like, you know, real estate and becoming an entrepreneur was um, um, where I wanted to be. Yeah, I, I, I think really like the push forward coming soon here is going to be entrepreneurialism it's going to be the the next big thing that takes off um speaking of which just in the last few years like you were talking about one of the big things that took off was the strs or the short-term rentals mm -hmm. midterm rentals um one of the things that we were having an issue with in our group was there were certain websites out there that people would be looking for housing on and they weren't screening the people that were posting on the on the website so these could be people from Dubai, India, China, you know, whatever. And they would be asking for deposits. And then all of a sudden, all their social media is deleted, phone numbers turned off, so on and so forth, and, and you know, different things along those. So we actually ended up starting uh, Crash Pads List on our Facebook page. Um, it's kind of our own little mini version of uh, Airbnb, where we have, you know, traveling nurses and other healthcare professionals that are in our, in our circle, in our group, 
they can advertise their properties to be rented out to each other. And now that's something that you've also gotten into. You're doing property management. So from that end of things, how, what are you seeing in the market right now? I know they raised rates, like stuff like that. Like where, where are you looking with the property management? And we're, we're talking here in specifically Florida, right? Right. So yeah, people are always asking like, oh, is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to buy? And frankly, like it really is always a good time to buy. And, you know, interest rates are important, but really the most critical thing is cash flow. Who cares about the interest rate if you're not cash flowing? Like, you know, if you buy low and you don't cash flow, well, I hope you can, you know, play another day. You have enough in reserves. But if you're cash flowing, then um, then you can go in to get into the market and be fierce. And, you know, um, and if rates come down, refinance later, take home even more money. So now cash flow is the name of the game. When you say cash flow, can you break that down even further? So like, say, you know, I've never bought a property. I'm a first time home buyer, but I know I don't want to just buy a house per se. Like I want to somehow get into real estate investing with my first purchase. What would you suggest to someone like that? Well, you, you shouldn't bite off more than you can chew. So find out what your budget is. And once you have an idea of your budget, you really want to figure out, do you want STR or LTR? If what you want is STR, then, um, you know, there's benefits and drawbacks to both of them. So, you know, with STR, maybe you can make a little bit more money, but maybe it's a little bit more of a headache. You have tenants in and out. Maybe having a single tenant is a better option. So you need to figure out whether um, you want to roll up your sleeves and be an STR, LTR, or LTR. Um so then once you decide on if you want to do STR, you really need to figure out a great location to be. Are you going to be in an area with a lot of, you know, you want to be in a touristy spot. You want a lot of traffic coming in. Um, and then you, you've got to have a team. Um, you know, you've got to know your cleaners, your handyman. You have to be able to go in and get uh, maintenance done on the fly. Like you've got to have good relationships with people to make sure that they can get in and get it done. Cause the last thing you want is, you know, somebody to come in and things to break and you not be prepared, just constantly behind the eight ball guest after guest. Okay. So say a person is a little intimidated by the, by the whole, you know, setting up the maintenance guy, setting up the cleaner. Mm-hmm. Uh, would your company be able to help with all of that? Like get, getting going. If somebody was looking for that real estate investment property, and maybe they could, you know, buy from out of state or something like that. Yeah. And I have like a good network of cleaners. I predominantly work in Saleport personally. So I have 15 units out there. So it makes it so easy to run such an efficient business when you don't lose any time driving here and there. Everything is right there. So, um, yeah. So I actually use a lot of good apps um, to keep things kind of on cruise control. And then, you know, you, you can't always be on cruise control. So you do need to have backup cleaners, have backup handymans, backup painters. Um, and, you know, even just being friendly with the people within the condo association so that when something does go wrong, the handyman, you know, the engineer or whoever is in the building can help you out. Okay. So if you're say you just graduated college and you're, you know, working your first job, you're still renting an apartment, but you're trying to get your, your finances together so what credit score would you be shooting for? What kind of down payment would you be looking for? Like, 
Do you have anything for those people, like people that are just new to the whole situation? Yeah, so there's different types of loans. Um, we've got Scott who can talk more about, um, at, from my office, who can talk more about the mortgages. He's the mortgage broker, but there's different types of loans. Like, um, so there's um, first, time ho- first time home buyer loan. You can have a very small down payment with that. And, you know, if that was your first home, you would qualify. Um, the thing about first time home buyers, you actually have to live in the home, um, I think for one year, but yeah, that's a question for the mortgage broker. Um, and then, you know, there's DSS, DSFR loans, which are loans that are given to you based off of the income of the property. So that's a really great one to take advantage of. So like maybe if you, you know, you're getting out of college, maybe your salary is 50,000, 55,000. It's not, you know, it's pretty much the average right out of college. Well, it's going to be hard for you to, you know, make that down payment and make those payments. But if you can get um, qualified based off of the income of the property, that would be a good loan for you to take advantage of. Okay. And so like, like you're explaining with the DSCR loans, funny enough, I've actually kind of dipped my toe into those. Um, That's more set up for the commercial side of things. So it, you can't combine like your first time home buyer with a DRC loan and different. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like, you know, if we're talking to people that are just getting, you know, interested or curious about this market, can you talk about like the divide between, you know, you buying your first house on the residential side versus maybe buying a four family first instead of just a residential, you know what I mean? Like just to get started type thing. Yeah, well, you got to look at what you can afford. Um, but I think probably the most important thing is getting in. Like, once you get in to the market, people are always going to wait for the right time. But once you get in, now you have a coin to chip up and trade up for the next big thing. So the key is just finding out what you qualify for and making it work around that. Um, but just it's important to get in. Okay. And so who do you have any party you would suggest for them to contact you guys have anybody you work with maybe at your office that would maybe help on like the financial side of things maybe if they were just checking the credit seeing what they would have to do just yeah okay we've got i i I use scott but there's a couple from my office that we always um, refer out to people and people can use whoever they want they're just referrals but um those are great contacts and scott is great because he will search like all the mortgages like he's not just going to shop from you know he'll shop and look around for you Okay, that's find creative ways to qualify. Okay. And the name of your office again? Stoffel and Associates. Stoffel and Associates. And what's the number that they would need to call to get a hold of you guys? Um, they can contact me um, at 617-991-0999. Okay, awesome. Um, so when we wrap this all up, if you want to shoot me like your email and the office number, I can actually put it in the comments, um, you know, down below or if we're doing... I'm going to actually put this up as a podcast as well so that they'll have it in the podcast. Um, you were talking. Is about this live it. right now? It is not live. It is. Oh, hey, is thank live. God. I, had a <laughs> I thought you were just going to call me. I was like, what are we doing? I was, so, <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, I'm sorry. I thought this was a phone call. <laughs> oh, I, my apologies. Yeah. Yeah. So normally what I try to do is I try so to. Set up... <laughs> I'm sorry, dear. I'm, I'm, my apologies. I try to set up the Zoom calls so that way Zoom's got it set up where you can actually record the Zoom like we're doing now. Yeah. When you're done with the call, you hit save. It's split yeah. for you into audio and video. 
So okay. it will give you two files. It will give you one file that's audio that you can upload to Spotify or Google uh, Podcasts or whatever like that. The other file is a video, an audio file together that you can do. I mean, if you want to post it on TikTok or Facebook or YouTube or however you want to do it. Um, so that's how I'm doing, you know, posting my uh Okay. Too bad I look like a rat today. I uh, thought this was a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trust me, you look spectacular. There's nothing to worry about. My lighting is horrible. Like literally this thing keeps fading in and out. Like I'm honestly like playing with different equipment, trying to figure out, you know, what yeah what different lighting situation is. I've I have people that tell me they say, Why do you have black eyes? I said, Because my lighting sucks. Like <laughs> you know. Either, either yeah. I push myself completely out, you can't see me, or you're going to see all the wrinkles and laugh lines and everything else that's going on because, you know. Yeah, you should get a ring light. <sighs> so I'm looking at one right now. There's one right in my face. Here. Oh. Really? Don't pay attention to my messy desk. Wait, that's not a ring light, though, is it? Oh, uh, well, there's that one right there, too. Yeah, that's a ring light. But are yeah. you gonna, like, hmm. <laughs> It, it, it it's fun playing with the playing with the lighting and doing all that stuff and yeah I'm, get, I'm getting there it's still kind of a, a work in progress with how i, I want to get that all set up and you, yours looks great actually with the up lighting that you have and the cam lights and stuff like oh the, thanks we actually lighting. just got these our house had these ugly boob lights everywhere like pop, 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 pop. uh and they were all uneven so we like actually made them symmetrical now <laughs> No, yeah, that looks way more modern. The lighting looks spectacular. Like I'm Thanks. gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go back and throw a filter on this right here. So, <laughs> <laughs> and even this, this actually back here, we made this. This so we used to have these ugly, ugly, ugly like kitchen cabinets from the '90s that would come out, and they came out like four or five feet into the living room. There was one right here and one over there. So we took one out, and then we did the arches there. That's gonna be our dining room once we're done. Oh, nice! It looks really good. Thanks. That's so you guys, did you guys hire people or did you guys do most of that work yourself or? Yeah, no, we hired people. We couldn't, mm. not, I mean, my husband is pretty good, but it, it would be a divorce immediate. <laughs> like if he wants, he, he wants me to help. I'm yeah. So somebody did that. Um, he was really good. Actually. We had some issues with the lumber company. Um, they sent us the wrong wood and then didn't refund for the right wood. So then we just ended up building it with like mismatched wood. Um, it looks and then great. what else did we do? This used to be, can I show you what we've done? Yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, uh -huh, yeah. This used to be, let me see if I can flip my camera. Oh my God. Wait, why am I huge? Um, well, I can't flip my camera. I can just walk you around. Yeah, you're fine. Um, this used to be, so that's actually TV, that frame. It used oh, to be hideous great. orange tile that came all the way up. And then, yeah, this is the chandelier. Um, pound chandelier. Then, what the 300 pound chandelier <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then um we put our living room our dining room is going to be there once it arrives so yeah small baby steps we've been here for a year and a half now and every time it's it's hard renovating a house it's really expensive um it's a money pit for sure <laughs> Did you guys do a refi or did you guys just have cash you could do it with or? So yeah, a little bit of cash at a time. Cause we just bought it. Cause um, you know, my husband's a physician, so we got physician loan on this nice, and nice. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to make myself less huge. And I don't Not like it cause camera. I don't even see you. Whatever. In any case. So yeah, <laughs> my husband's a physician. So we did a physician loan 
Um, so you don't put any money down. Um, so the HELOC wasn't, I was actually just texting my husband about it, mm-hmm. thinking when we can do a HELOC because we need to build some more equity into doing it. Cause a HELOC I think is 90% of your home's value or of the equity that you have. So, um, we're not quite, we don't have that much equity, but I think our house is worth more than when, what we bought it for. So it's so, so hard to deal with the, the market and it's so hyper local now with the markets too. Like, yeah, you know, I, I watch a lot of stuff and I, I hear a lot of things actually from the group, you know, and stuff. And I've heard people saying there's some markets that's just dried up and then other markets that's still hot. And it just, yeah. it just really depends right now. And they, they, I heard they're talking about cutting the interest rate this coming year. Yeah, have- this year, I think there's going to be three interest rate um, drops. So that would be good. But like, you know, what, once that happens, everybody's going to be entering the market to buy. So, you know, you pick your poison. Would you rather? That's what I was kind of talking about. Like when the interest rates drop, the prices are going to go up. So you might as well just buy now and refi later. Build some, Have some built-in equity, right? Because like the house that you buy for 900 is probably going to be worth a million in a couple months from now. So like, wouldn't you rather buy it for 900 and have that extra hundred thousand dollars in equity? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Were were you working in the market here before COVID? No, I wasn't. So I was mostly like science tech. I started in collateral management at BNY Mellon and that was like a pretty basic, like out of first job out of college. Um, And then I moved into tech. So I wasn't really in finance at all. And then I just decided to do this. For me, it was just like, I got really tired of people telling me like how much money I can make, you know? And like, I just got tired of busting my ass for for um, for another company that would like literally laid off 50% of our employees to hire in India. Um, and my job was safe actually, but I still left after all of that. It just, it really hit home down. Like nobody cares about you. And like, if you're going to wait to have somebody tell you how much money you're going to make, like you're, you're always going to be stuck, you know? And like, all you get is, wow, Maria, you're such a rock star. What a rock star. You know, that's the, (laughs) that's how you get paid. And it just wasn't, you know, so I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've had. Actually, I'm very grateful that I've had people in my corner to push me to take the leaps because I was afraid too. It's very hard to go out on that edge and on that ledge, especially like that. That's kind of thing. It's always risk versus reward. It's always like the riskiest thing. It's either going to work out great or it's going to leave you flat on your face. But when it works out great, it's spectacular. Like for us, for the nurses, for the healthcare workers, we get pizza, we get pizza parties. That's what we get. We get all your, yeah. your healthcare heroes. Everything's going great. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't get a raise. You don't get a bonus. You don't, you know what I mean? Like they pat you on the back and say, you know, okay, so we sign you up for double overtime next week, you know, like that. That's, yeah. So that's why a lot of the nurses got into the traveling nursing and even like, the, like your husband, the physician doing the ad locum and stuff like that, where they travel as well. Yeah. Um, that really, really, it's always been a thing because there's always a moving need. Like, obviously, like you can have a virus that hits, you know, Montana worse than it hits Texas or so on and so forth. But when it comes to uh, like a nationwide thing, you know, we're short staffed healthcare wise anyways. Like you pick pick a place, throw a dart, you know, um, nursing homes, hospitals like we're, we're dying for for staff. 
And yeah. they're actually at this point cutting rates, cutting pay, shutting down units. And I'm starting to just now see on like TikTok and stuff where people are saying, you know, why is it taking me six, eight hours sitting in the ER, you know, and there's only one nurse that I see working the whole time. Why is it it's taken me six to nine months to get a specialist appointment and things like that? It's because there's no staff. It's because, like you said, you know, these companies are laying off, they're cutting pay and people are trying to survive. So they're they're the side yeah. hustle economy is what's taken off. People don't. And you know people. what I think? I don't know. I hope this is but I think like in 50 years from now when you go to college, your professors are going to say, do you want a steady, stable job where you can make good, consistent money? Become a plumber, become uh, like, like a really like, you know, that will be what I, I don't know. It's just, I think it could happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, the trades have really taken off, um, Yeah, you know, and I remember years ago, like, I don't know if I ever got into this conversation before, but like I've been a framer, I've been a I've done plumbing, I've done drywall. Like I, I helped a guy flip houses before. We would go, you know, some of the houses they built in Cincinnati, where I'm from, were built in the 17, 1800s. So you're talking, mm -hmm. you know, plaster walls and, you know, all yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of that stuff, but that labor for back, you know, back then was paying minimum wage, if that. Now labor's paying more than college educated jobs are paying, and if yeah. You know, if they can't offshore it, they offshore it. Yeah, which no, it's true. I don't really or even hairdressers. Hairdressers, a lot of them, like the girl who does my hair, she charges like five, six thousand dollars for an extension for extensions. Mm -hmm. That's like two, three hours of work. Where else are you? Like they, they, yeah. if they're out on their own, if they start their own, that's when they make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's really becoming, you know, people want to complain like there's, there's a big kind of taboo thing with the nurses quitting and doing the only fan stuff. And I'm just like, you know what, get your money. Like I, you know what, do what you got to do to feed your kids and your family and yeah, more power to you. It's in my mind, it's becoming a creator economy. It's how creative can you get with what you're doing in, in your niche, in your market, you know? And then yeah. also, I was going to say the key, Oh, you're frozen. I thought you stopped oh. talking. Sorry, you were just frozen. Yeah, no, I thought you were you were saying something. But yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people, though, you're right. I do think it's a creator's economy. I just think a lot of people are very afraid. Like, you just need to start. Oh, my God, my videos are not stellar. Like, my Instagram Dang. videos are not stellar. But, yeah. like, that first video that I made, I was, like, gagging, listening to the sound of my own voice. Like, every, <laughs> like it's so uncomfortable oh. to put yourself out there even if you are like I'm an extroverted person but watching myself looking awkward yeah. hi guys <laughs> I want to tell you about this really cool <laughs> like it's uncomfortable but you know you just it's the first one is the worst and then it gets better yep yep the first step's always the hardest and then yeah. you, know, you get better with practice just like anything else in life um, funny you mentioned hair hairdresser I was literally getting a haircut earlier and the, the lady was talking about how you know when she was younger she used to do YouTube videos and stuff like that but she fell mm. out of it and I you know I said well what 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 why'd you fall out fall out of it and she said it was just kind of embarrassing and you know I had a couple comments about my hair about something else and it was just I decided you know that was a little bit more than I want to do I said you know don't listen to the haters you know don't don't there's always going to be people out there that Oh, this wasn't perfect. That wasn't perfect. This and that. And it's like nothing's ever perfect. Look at the world we live in. You know, you yeah. Do, it and do the best you can. <laughs> like, yeah, just start. 
Right, right, right. You're going to get better as you go. And, you know, that's pretty much all there is to it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was looking at, you know, with the nurses, like, so you're managing the SDR, the short-term rentals, right? Hmm. What would you say would be a good thing for people that say they're, they're getting a short-term rental and they're wanting to figure out like if they're, if the person they're talking to is legit, if the, you know, if everything's going to work out well, like what would yeah. be some steps they could take to protect themselves on that side of things? Look at their portfolio or their book of business. See like how many units they have, where are they? And go on Airbnb, go on VRBO, read their reviews, guests leave reviews. Um, are they the kind of person that only has two, three reviews or do they have, you know, hundreds of reviews? Um, and, you know, you have to take it as a whole. Don't just read one lousy review. Like I have one really horrible review right now, but I have 99, literally 99 or 110 great ones. So just go through them, read them, take people at, you know, look at the whole picture basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Reviews. You have to look at the whole thing. Cause there's some people that you're just never going to make happy no matter what you do ever. Yeah. And we've all yeah. had nightmare guests. I will, anybody who's done this business has had nightmare guests. Guests will turn so bitter, um, even over $10, like they will turn so bitter. So, yeah. And then on the other end of that, if you are right now and you have some short-term rentals, like say, you know, you're up in Cincinnati or Baltimore or DC or something like that. What are things that you would be doing right now to maybe prepare for the rate drops or, you know, things that you might be looking at, opportunities that might be coming up this year that we didn't have available to us last year per se. So for the STR aspect, your like um, your revenue is not going to change much um, or it will depend basically on the economy in terms of people's uh, disposable income. You know, the rates you can refi, that's something that you can utilize when rates come down and kind of take home a little more money, um, have some more bottom line, um, profit. Um, that's something that I would take advantage of. Um, let me give it another thought, but yeah, I would say probably just take advantage of refinancing, even a HELOC. Like if you've built up income into your, um, short-term rental, maybe it's time to renovate it. And the HELOC, the way that it works is you pay, I think 1% over the prime rate. So that rate can move up and down. So if you have a very clear, definitive timeline, I would take advantage of the HELOC and pull money out and maybe do some renovations or whatever. Just put it into something that's appreciating. Um, and it's you know something that has a timeline and you know will appreciate the value. And I think that's a good way to utilize the HELOC. Is the HELOC available to people that just bought a home or do you have to be in the home so long before you can do something like that or um so it is based off of your equity so you know if you bought at a great time even if you're you know if you got something at a very great deal and the bank comes and appraises your house like say you bought something for two hundred thousand, and you know uh, you get an appraisal for two hundred and sixty thousand. well the bank will give you 90 percent of your equity um, into that. Now, I don't know all of the terms of the HELOC, to be honest, because that's not my like specialty. So I can't tell you all the fine print, but generally you'll get 90% of your equity. 
um, and you know, you'll pay interest on it. You'll have two, two payments to make. Um, but yeah, if you know your timeline and it's a short timeline, I think it's, um, good to take advantage of that. The reason why you don't want to utilize it when you don't have a definitive timeline is because that rate can change. Um, so, you know, it shouldn't be a mystery when you start to invest your money like that. Like you don't want surprises in your finances. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> so what would you say is the most difficult thing about managing <clears throat> multiple short-term rentals? Like, you know, if you're somebody that, you know, you got one, it's going pretty well. You're thinking about picking up a couple more, like what warnings or I don't know, not necessarily warnings, but like what advice could you give? people that maybe already have one STR and they're doing well and they're looking at picking up, you know, up more STRs. Yeah. I think going back to your team is so important. Like, and you have to also know, like, this is something that I learned in my management job in tech. Like you also have to know how to handle when your team drops things or when you drop things. Um, because like, I have a great team overall, we're pretty good, but yeah, there are times where like, a guest comes in and a room is not clean or whatever. Um, they're very, 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 very infrequent. I've only had that happen once, but you know, the point being is you have to know um, how to manage a great team and to keep your team motivated, you know, um, because, and also like you need to have backup people, like maybe your painter can't make it. So just going back to having, you know, putting the right group of crazies together to get the job done really. <laughs> putting the right crazy people in the room. Okay. And then for somebody that's trying to do everything by themselves, what would you suggest would be ways that they could build that team per se? Like say somebody's got one STR that maybe they're even just renting a room out in their house right now. Uh, but they're looking at, you know, maybe picking up another separate property on the other side of town to do, you know, STR with, like how would they even start down that path of, of finding people to build their own team? Um, you can, I mean, Facebook is actually a really great place to look for ISOs and a lot of groups, to be honest. Um, and like it's utilizing your natural network. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> utilizing your natural network. Everybody has a friend who's a handyman or whatever. Try and utilize your natural network, I think would help. Um, and if the maintenance and cleaning is, um, a little too much for your schedule, like if you're trying to maintain a full-time job, while handling all these reservations, I would recommend um, increasing your minimum stay. So maybe don't do nightly rentals. That's a really high turnover. And if you have to ping back and forth, that might be too much. Maybe you do a week rental. Um, and granted, yeah, that might cut into your profits a little bit um, in terms of, you know, the attractiveness of your place. But it, you have to um, balance these things and figure out what works best. Okay. Would you say like in your experience going for the top of the market and then trying to extend yourself as far as you can to get every last penny or finding maybe the middle or lower part of the market where you might not be able to get specifically top dollar, but you can maybe get more moderate income over a time? Yeah. So <clears throat> if you take out like the, the science, like just personal experience, mm -hmm. To be honest, those customers who um, you get really desperate and you have you see three nights, like I might have three nights today, tomorrow and the day after, and I want to have, you know, 100 percent 
capacity and I have like three nights empty and I drop the price down, like maybe significantly below what it would normally fetch me. Those are the worst. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah. So they're yeah. usually coming in on a whim, like they book it and they um, are checking in the same day. Um, I mean, you have to look at the whole picture, but in my experience, those have been the most painful um, customers who um, have like the most unreasonable um, expectations or the customers who break things or the customers who, um, yeah, personally, I hope I, maybe I would edit that part out. That's probably not the most like. Yeah, so so basically, basically what you're saying is when you drop the price down really low, then you get, you know, customers that are in that, you know, base of people that are in that lower, you know, area. So they don't take it as seriously per se. Like right. And then more, you okay, take can, it can I say this? This is me yeah, yeah. talking to you as a friend. This is not, I don't want us to okay, go out, yeah, yeah. but like, those are the people who will literally try and ruin your life over 20 bucks yeah. over. Those are the people who will trespass and check in early. And then, you know, because the check-in time is four o'clock and they're trying to break in at one o'clock. They're going to call Airbnb and say, you know, my host gave me a dirty room, give me a refund and they'll try and stay for free. Those are the people that you need to change the security codes after. Those are the people that um, you need to take photographs before and after. Um, it's happened to me it. from personal experience. I had somebody mm -hmm. do that. Say that again. I said, it's almost not worth doing. Then it sounds like all that headache, like just drop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you probably middle to top of the market instead of trying to get race to the bottom and get be the cheapest place. Yeah. And even in <laughs> um, like this idea of operating at 100% capacity, to be honest, is not actually the most efficient. That's actually a fallacy because one bottleneck, one hiccup can set, can cause like a domino effect and several other things. That's in management, that's in uh, like managing people even with nurses, like if all the nurses are up to 100% and one nurse gets sick, who's like, you're out of options. Mm -hmm. So, you know, operating at that 70 to 80% is actually more efficient in the long run than 100%. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Because uh, like you were saying, you know, most off the flip side in the healthcare, mo most healthcare short staffs as it is. So even one person calling out or missing a shift or something going on, you know, everybody on that shift is getting slammed because of that, because they were already short to begin with. Exactly. Um, so look, looking at the, from the nurse side of things, uh, what do you think about people that say, uh, you know, I'm looking at a, a, a short-term rental or, or a midterm rental, let's say. So maybe I'm doing 60 to 90 days and I'm looking at like Minneapolis, Minnesota. What would you say would be something that, Maybe I could get a hold of the, the owner and say, you know, I'm a traveling nurse. I'm going to be there 30 days or 60 days. Can we work out some kind of deal or something like that? Like, have you ever had anybody do that? What do you think about that? Like from the. Um, so because I operate in that daily rental area, it's really easy for me to get somebody else who doesn't want a discount. But when you get to those longer stays, I think, I think that is um, a more like the person, the owner is more likely to accept that because, you know, they, if they have a minimum stay, that's a little bit long, it's going to cost them more money to not have somebody in it um, than to 
not give you a discount. So I think that can really work. Um, offering to come back again, offering to leave, like, you know, if things are good, leaving a good review, like people love getting good reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, if you've already stayed with somebody before and you've already left them a good review and you reach out to them, I think that's also going to help you. Okay. And I, I have heard from some uh, people that we have on the crash pads list and stuff that one of the reasons they came over to us is because they were having issues with Airbnb where they would like search their own property and it wouldn't come up on the map and they, they had to call and it was a hassle. Yeah. Um, have you had any issues like that? Have you heard anything like that from people? Um, I actually had that issue with VRBO, which is one of the reasons why I moved just to Airbnb because I haven't experienced that in Airbnb. So, um, and I think you have the option of displaying the full address or the approximate, like the approximate area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, Airbnb support is, you know, sometimes you get somebody who can really help you. And sometimes you have somebody who just says, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> so it's kind of 50, 50 shot. And I, I've heard a lot of people saying that they're really, focused on the uh, renters and that uh, some of the landlords were saying another reason they came over to crash pads list is because they would get like literally one bad review and then get banned like for life from, Mm -hmm. from Airbnb. Is that something that you heard of or is it something that you experienced? I'm surprised one bad review will get you banned. One? Just stuff I've heard. Like I, and I don't have any hard fat. I'm not trying to bash any yeah. specific place or anything like that. Like you said, you had issues with PRBO. Um, there's so many of these ones popping up now um, in that space of uh, the short term and the, the midterm rental and stuff like that. Um, well, what so- you can do is somebody like you can call Airbnb support for something like that and um, ask to have that removed. And if you provide evidence that their review is either not true or does not comply with their policies on giving reviews, um, then that can be removed. So like, for example, one of their policies is not only does it have to be honest, but say it has to give specific reasons and they just say, this is the worst guest I've ever had. Don't host them. That's not, that doesn't comply with their policies. Okay. So from your experience, it, it's been relatively decent doing working with Airbnb and you actually didn't like working with VRBO. Or you um, just it's not it. that I didn't like working with VRBO. Actually, the the issue that I ran into is I utilize both. So the calendars need to talk to each other. And there is actually a way to make the calendars talk to each other. Um, so that um, when somebody books on VRBO, it blocks on your Airbnb side. Uh, but what ended up happening is this is just my personal experience. It um, had to constantly be refreshed. And I was getting such a higher volume um, personally from Airbnb. Like I was getting like 95% of my bookings from Airbnb and only 5% from VRBO. So I thought if I can master, if, if I just put it out there and already 95% of my bookings are coming from VR, uh, from Airbnb, let me master Airbnb. That's like more high yield basically. Mm-hmm. So now when you're looking at doing the, the short-term rental, the midterm rental, like what, what are you comfortable budgeting on your advertising? Like, did you factor that in at all? Or you were just like, I'm just going to pick a site and go with it. Or like, how do you figure it? Cause I mean, you can obviously buy Facebook ads, Google ads, you could set up your own website, which I've heard a lot of people are doing their own marketing at this point. Um, 
what, how do you come to that decision? Like what, you know, being from business school with your education, your background, like what would you say to somebody that was looking at doing that? Like, you know, maybe they're on Airbnb, but they want to, like you said, off VRBO, they're only getting 5% or something. Yeah. So, I mean, you really have to, each property is unique. Each property will bring in unique um, customers. So trying to figure out where your customer is at. And, you know, sometimes you need to try things, try something and see what, what happens. Maybe don't try something once. Like in real estate, we say, don't like just mail out postcards once and wonder why you never got any leads. Sometimes you have to farm that area and, you know, and, but, and I do think generally, honestly, consistency is key when it comes to advertising. Like maybe it's not whatever you find you decide to do. Maybe Instagram ads are Instagram boosts are like slightly better than Facebook boosts. But if you are consistent with Facebook, it will be much better than just randomly doing a random Instagram ad or, or social media or whatever, you know, so consistency is key. And sometimes you just need to try some things to figure out where your customers are. Yeah, I agree. Like you were saying with the entrepreneurialism, sometimes the scariest part's getting started. Yeah. They're just going from there and seeing, you know, Either you're going to win or you're going to lose, but you got a 50-50 shot at least. Like, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I was going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're getting here to like almost an hour of content. And I don't think what you were saying before about, hey, don't, don't take this out or whatever, whatever. I honestly think it's not a big deal. I honestly do because, I, like I said, I've been on the other side of that. And I, I don't disagree with you that, you know, sometimes there's customers. I mean, we in nursing will have patients that, you know, you just cannot make them happy, you know, and you try the best you can. You care about them like if they was your own mom or your own kid. Yeah. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's just not going to happen and you do the best you can. You make sure you, you do everything by the book and by the letter. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you man. have to follow. And that's the really important thing is you always need to leave. Like when you get into this business and you, you start to recognize this person is maybe a troublesome customer. Um, you, you start to learn, you know, the right ways to communicate, how to keep things in writing, utilizing the platform, not taking, um, uh, you know, being very, you stick to the policies in those cases, to be honest, and you enforce your policies. Um, because sometimes in this business, when you're dealing with such high volume, you can't make such so many um, exceptions, to be honest you start to lose efficiency and you start to lose, like you, you just start to lose too much. If there, you always have to take things into consideration. I'm not saying never make exceptions, but um, sticking use, their policies are there for a reason. And I, um, I actually got into Airbnb support with this is, you know, if you have these policies, let the hosts enforce their policies. If, if there is a dispute or whatever, let the host enforce their policies and, then it can be dealt with outside um, Airbnb. But to offer exceptions to everything, you start to lose your edge. Yeah, I could see how, you know, if you're trying to follow policies and procedures and they're changing or, or you don't, they're not really honoring the policies and procedures, that's going to make it really difficult for you to have consistency. You're right. And like you said, a lot of it is about consistency, you know, like look, I have a service or a product that I offer. It's consistently a good service or a good product. And, you know, like depending on these platforms that we're using, and trust me, I know all about that. They can definitely be a headache here and there with the yeah. things they change and things they do. And, 
you know, we, we just got to roll with the punches, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, so uh, like in closing, what would you say, you know, to a person that is this is all new to them, but they're curious, they've heard of, you know, uh, doing short term rental, midterm rental, stuff like that. Like what would what advice would you give that person that's just even they haven't even stuck their toe in the road yet, but they're they're like still wanting to wanting to see where that's going to go. Yeah. I mean, it's really great that you're thinking about that. Like if you're on that end and you're considering it, it's great that your mind is starting to think in those ways and ways to generate passive income and um, to whether that's for your retirement, for this passive income to give you another property. The most important thing, like I was saying, is get in the game, get started, get yourself a coin to trade or to, to move up with. Let in, you know, you will win in the end, no matter what you do in real estate. If you play the long game, you don't have to be the best at the game. But if you play the long game, you will win. So I, I just encourage you to get started, get into the market. And um, and then once you're there, try and figure out a great location for you. Um, how hands on do you want to be? Do you want to just give somebody your percentage for them to manage fully? Do you want it to be close by to you? Um, those are the kinds of questions you need to ask. And of course, most importantly, will it cash flow? What's going to cash flow the best? Because even if you have a high interest rate, um, if it cash flows good, then you're you're good. Okay, so cash flow is basically just at the end of every month what you spent versus what you brought in, and you actually earning something over and on top of what your costs were. Exactly, getting a profit at the end. Okay, so even if you got an eight nine percent interest rate, but you can still make fifteen hundred a month or something, you know, profit yeah. after you pay all your bills it's still worth it even at an eight, nine percent interest rate to do it. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, Maria, I uh, really appreciate this finding. We could go on and on and on. Like, honestly, I, <laughs> I, that's why I was looking at it. I'm like, I know you got stuff to do. It's kind of getting late. Like, you know, see these, these bags underneath. <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to happen many, many years from now, but uh, no, but it, it's been great talking to you. And I think this will be a great resource and some great information and, um, like I said, shoot me a text with, uh, your office number and the email address used for work and stuff. I'll put it in the links down below here or any other information. And then, uh, anybody else that would want to comment or anything like underneath or ask questions, we can always come back, revisit stuff, maybe do another one of these down the road. Um, like I would said, love to. Yeah. I had a yeah. great time chatting with you. Yeah, no, it was spectacular. You're a wonderful resource and obviously and a great person. I got to say that too, from the time that <laughs> we were introduced to stuff, it's been, you're a great communicator. You're, you know, very punctual, you know, things that are awesome just in general. Like, you know, what people say or do, I'm going to be here at this time. I'm going to make this call. <laughs> Friends, family, whatever. I, my, I, have a, I have a son who's in school. He's uh, going for a mechanical engineering. He likes to ignore my texts and my phone calls. <laughs> Yeah, until he needs something. And then, and then <laughs> I got 15 missed calls in about 10 minutes, you know, but yeah, still love him, still squirt. And, uh, you know, how about you, you got kids? No, just my husband and I for now. Uh, um, okay. But who knows? Yeah, maybe finish in a the renovations years. first, huh? <laughs> yeah, for real. Actually, that's one of the reasons. I think that's one of the reasons why he wants these to hurry up and be done so that we can like settle in and have a family here. I do think we'll, we will have a family in this house soon. Amen. Well, like I said, I wish nothing for the best for you, Maria. And thanks uh, likewise. Let me know and I will shoot you a copy of everything so you can okay everything. I, I think it went great. I think people are going to get uh, great information out of this. And I, I definitely appreciate your time and, and appreciate, you know, 
the good Lord having the grace to let me bump into you. Yeah, me so, too. Likewise. Thanks so much, Maria. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.